I'm, I'm really speaking about all of humanity, you know, without exception of anybody, you know. And I, I know that um, a lot of the content in the songs is very heavy, you know, but uh, see, fantasy is what people want, but reality is what they need. And I've just retired from the fantasy part because I realized that. Uh,
It's a safe to come out from underground. The land of white lies gives the truth to run around. The cipher in my cipher, read between the newspaper ink. Ling closing, you smell the carnage start to stink. Nothing remains real. They took the soul of man, forces the legions, the trustees of stolen land. And now them white trails stay in my blue sky. This is my testimony, raise about the boot. Why? 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 Blacklist because my black fist conjure a revolution. Thought is the catalyst. This world rotating in the court is the axis. Meet me in the middle of the earth where it's blackest. Three times it's dark, but lighting is immaculate. Your mind is some assault and hand springs and backlits. Flow combustible gasoline and red tip matchsticks. Paradigm shift. This rap thing just for practice. It's in the middle, we stay calm. We just drop bombs. Mothership immaculate by them candy chrome. Meet me at the gates with your face helmet on. We gon' break out this matrix and take family home. Have you heard? We just made the most wanted. It's bigger than petty criminals charged with dope running. Hitting control chips discharged through vaccines. I told them that the new world order was still coming. Another code American winner, so strap up. Them gold coins is high on the market, go stack up. They coming for my beautiful mind. My dutiful rhymes are dedicated to telling truth. The facts tough. I know that some would die with the glamour, cause grit hard. It scrape off the skin and leave the wound raw. The tender bones only can handle with so much. Shockwaves reverberate, leave their brain scarred. Desperate times, breeding desperate little men Clutching at plastic straws so the deep won't pull them in I've been in them cowardly streets they dead in And now I plan to take the high road so far in In, in, in. in the middle we stay calm, we just drop bombs Mothership immaculate by them candy chrome Meet me at the gates with your face helmet on We gon' break out this matrix and take family home They wage war, we war for higher wages. Running from the real like the germ is contagious. Eyes wide shut in the wild, wild west. On our knees praying for the man in white to come save us. Mavis, please get your staples. I'll take you there if you're ready and you able. Journey to the depths of your dome with your thoughts all alone. Till the day turns to night and the light switch turns on. Eureka, it's the thinker verse believer. Thinker questions everything, believer follows eager. Six million ways to die, so what you live like? God fearing out in the streets for what your crib. Like they say, home is where the hatred is. I say that fear is where complacence lives. Where the fear has gone past, only I remain. And the last men to stand are the first to reign. In the middle, we stay calm, we just drop bombs. Mothership immaculate, by them candy chrome. Meet me at the gates with your face helmet on. We gon' break out this matrix and take family home.
joyful exaltation to those who liberate themselves. Joyous, joyful exaltations and greetings to those who liberate themselves. Welcome to Woman Wednesday. I'm your host, Mariama Tanay. Blessings, greetings, and love to all within the listening ear. Tonight's theme is surveillance capitalism. Surveillance capitalism. We're going to start off in the praise up as there is nothing new under the sun that the Most High has not already revealed, starting off at Luke 2 to 3. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that it shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which she has spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Jeremiah 46.27 But fear not thou, O my servant Jacob, and be not dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save thee from afar off, and thy seed from the land of their captivity, and Jacob shall return, and be in rest and at ease, and none shall make him afraid. Exodus 6.5 And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. 1 Corinthians 2.9 But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Second Peter 2.19 While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. Galatians 2.4 And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Galatians 4.3 Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Isaiah 29.20-24 For the terrible one is brought to naught, and the scorner is consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off, that make a man an offender for a word, and lay a snare for him that reproveth in the gate, and turn aside the just for a thing of naught. Therefore thus saith the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax pale. But when he seeth his children, 
the work of mine hands in the midst of him. They shall sanctify my name and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and shall fear the God of Israel. They also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. And Ephesians 6.10-18 to 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. In Yeshua's name, we're going to take a music moment and come back with tonight's theme, Surveillance, Capitalism, Blessings, and Grace. The Book of Revelation, Chapter 18 And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, is fallen, is fallen. Our nation will sing, the twelve tribes will shout, praise to the king, praise to the king. Our nation will sing, the twelve tribes will shout, praise to the king. Praise to the King And we lift up the name of the Most High God The Most High God The Most High God Yes, we lift up the name of the Most High God The Most High God The Most High God Come on everybody Come let's praise the Lord today For Babylon is Babylon is falling. Come on, everybody. 
Blessings and grace, and welcome to tonight's theme, Surveillance Capitalism. I've come across a new book, and I wanted to share it with you, Awake and Aware Ones. The book is called The Age of Surveillance Capitalism by Shoshana Zuboff. The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. Now, this book offers a disturbing picture of how Silicon Valley and other corporations are mining users' information to predict and shape their behavior. To predict and shape behavior. Shoshana Zuboff, professor emerita at Harvard Business School, warns that their lights, bells, and whistles have made us blind and deaf to the ways high-tech giants exploit our personal data for their own ends. On an interview that she did on news.harvard.edu, Shoshana Zuboff defines surveillance capitalism as the unilateral claiming of private human experience as free raw material for translation into behavioral data. These data are then computed and packaged as prediction products and sold into behavioral futures markets. Behavioral futures markets, which are business customers with the commercial interest in knowing what we will do now, soon, and later. It was Google that first learned how to capture surplus behavioral data, more than what they needed for services, and used it to compute prediction products that they could sell to their business customers, in this case, advertisers. But I argue that surveillance capitalism is no more restricted to that initial context than, for example, mass production was restricted for the fabrication of Model Ts. Right from the start, At Google, it was understood that users were unlikely to agree to this unilateral claiming of their experience and its translation into behavioral data. It was understood that these methods had to be undetectable. So from the start, the logic reflected the social relations of the one-way mirror. They were able to see and take, and to do this in a way that we could not contest We had no way to know what was happening. We rushed to the internet expecting empowerment, the democratization of knowledge, and help with real problems. But surveillance capitalism really was just too lucrative to resist. This economic logic has now spread beyond the tech companies to new surveillance-based ecosystems in virtually every economic sector from insurance to automobiles to health, education, finance, to every product described as smart and every service described as personalized. By now, it's very difficult to participate effectively in society without interfacing with these same channels that are supply chains for surveillance capitalism's data flows. For example... ProPublica recently reported that breathing machines, 
purchased by people with sleep apnea, are secretly sending usage data to health insurers where the information can be used to justify reduced insurance payments. Why have we failed to take notice of the effects of all of this surveillance? Ms. Zuboff says there are many reasons. I chronicle 16 explanations as to how they got away with it. One big reason is the audacious, unprecedented quality of surveillance capitalism's methods and operations has impeded our ability to perceive them and grasp their meaning and consequence. Another reason is that surveillance capitalism invented by Google in 2001 benefited from a couple of important historical windfalls. One is that it arose in the era of neoliberal consensus around the superiority of self-regulating companies and markets. State-imposed regulations was considered a drag on free enterprise. A second historical windfall is that surveillance capitalism was invented in 2001, the year of 9-11. In the days leading up to that tragedy, there were new legislative initiatives being discussed in Congress around privacy, some of which might as well have outlawed practices that became routine operations of surveillance capitalism. Just after the World Trade Center towers were hit, the conversation in Washington changed from a concern about privacy to a preoccupation with total information awareness. In this new environment, the intelligence agencies and other powerful forces in Washington and other Western governments were more disposed to incubate and nurture the surveillance capabilities coming out of the commercial sector. A third reason is that these methodologies are designed to keep us ignorant. The rhetoric of the pioneering surveillance capitalists and just about everyone who has followed has been a textbook of misdirection, euphemism, and obfuscation, which means to make things unclear. One theme of misdirection has been to sell people on the idea that the new economic practices are an inevitable consequence of digital technology. In America and throughout the West, we believe it's wrong to impede technological progress. So the thought is that if these disturbing practices are the inevitable consequences of these new technologies, we probably just have to live with it. This is a dangerous category error. It's impossible to imagine surveillance capitalism without the digital, but it's easy to imagine the digital without surveillance capitalism. A fourth explanation involves dependency and the foreclosure of alternatives. We now depend upon the internet just to participate effectively in our daily lives, whether it's interfacing with the IRS or your healthcare provider. Nearly everything we do now just to fulfill the barest requirements of social participation marches us through the same channels that are surveillance capitalism's supply chains. Surveillance capitalism is the manifestation of George Orwell's prophesized memory hole, combined with the constant surveillance, storage, and analysis of our thoughts and actions with such minute precision and artificial intelligence algorithmic analysis that our future thoughts and actions 
can be predicted and manipulated for the concentration of power and wealth of the very few. Surveillance capitalism desensitizes us to their destruction of individual autonomy, rights, freedom of thought and action, privacy, sovereignty, thoughtful analysis, and memory, while demanding and ensuring corporations and the 1% have absolute rights, privacy, and impunity. Surveillance capitalism relies on the 24-hour news cycle, overwhelming our capacity to consider their manipulations before they are quickly buried and forgotten in the memory hole. On the website surveillancecapitalism.com, they list 32 citations, and these 32 citations barely scratch the surface of surveillance capitalism and yet provide a terrifying display of the powerful forces arrayed against democracy. I'm going to share a few. From Sam Biddle of The Intercept, dated April 13, 2018, the recent document described as confidential outlines a new advertising service that expands how the social network sells corporations access to its users and their lives. Instead of merely offering advertisers the ability to target people based on demographics and consumer preferences, Facebook instead offers the ability to target them based on how they will behave, what they will buy, and what they will think. These capabilities are the fruits of a self-improving artificial intelligence-powered prediction engine, first unveiled by Facebook in 2016 and dubbed FBL Learner Flow. The document does not detail what information from Facebook's user dossiers is included or excluded from the prediction engine, but it does mention drawing on location, device information, Wi-Fi network details, video usage, affinities, and details of friendships, including how similar a user is to their friends. All of this data can be fed to FBL Learner Flow, which will use it to essentially run a computer simulation of a facet of a user's life, with the results sold to a corporate customer. The company describes this practice as Facebook's machine learning expertise used for corporate core business challenges. Pasquale, the law professor, told The Intercept that Facebook's behavioral prediction work is eerie and worried how the company could turn algorithmic predictions into self-fulfilling prophecies since once you've made this prediction, they have a financial interest in making it true. That is, once Facebook tells an advertising partner you're going to do something or other next month, the onus is on Facebook to either make that event come to pass or show that they were able to help effectively prevent it. How Facebook can verify to a marketer that it was indeed able to change the future is unclear. This citation is from MIT Technology Review, dated December 14, 2018. Unbeknownst to her, because she didn't read the fine print, some data from the research study, along with her liquor purchase history, has made it to one of two employment agencies that have come to dominate the market. Every employer who screens her application with the agency now sees that she's been profiled 
as a depressed unreliable. No wonder she can't get work. But even if she could discover that she's been profiled in this way, what recourse does she have? This citation is from the New York Times, dated December 10, 2018. Most people don't know what's going on, said Emmett Kilduff, the chief executive of Eagle Alpha, which sells data to financial firms and hedge funds. We look to understand who a person is based on where they've been and where they're going in order to influence what they're going to do next. Ms. Greenstein said, Tell All Digital, a Long Island advertising firm that is a client of a location company, says it runs ad campaigns for personal injury lawyers targeting people anonymously in emergency rooms. This next citation comes from The Atlantic, dated November 2018 issue. The next generation of high-end cars will come equipped with software and hardware, cameras and microphones for now, to analyze drivers' attentiveness, irritation, and other states. Virtual assistants will be able to discern and react to their users' frame of mind, could create a genuine-seeming sense of affinity, a bond that could be used for good or ill. This citation from Time, dated April 13, 2018, states, those digital breadcrumbs amass over time, equipping tech companies with staggeringly precise information about each of us. Product designers then use that data alongside machine learning tools to study how we react to certain interfaces, rewards, and inputs, and to identify patterns in our behavior. That allows them to predict fairly precisely, Brown says, how we'll react in the future. This last citation I'm going to share from the website surveillancecapitalism.com is from Vox, dated August 8, 2018. Big Tech Now Employs Mental Health Experts to Use Persuasive Technology, a new field of research that looks at how computers can change the way humans think and act. This technique, also known as persuasive design, is built into thousands of games and apps and companies like Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, Amazon, Apple, and Microsoft rely on it to encourage specific human behavior starting from a very young age. It's important to know that in many ways, surveillance capitalism differs dramatically from other forms of capitalism over the last couple of centuries. Capitalism is claiming things that live outside the marketplace bringing them to the market, and turning them into what people call commodities, things that can be sold and purchased. Industrial capitalism, which dominated the late 18th, 19th, and 20th century, claimed nature. The trees and the forests and the rivers, these are entities that have a life of their own. Industrial capitalism brought nature into the market dynamic, and nature was reborn. It was called land and it was called real estate, that allowed it to be sold and purchased and become a source of profit. Surveillance capitalism proceeds according to this pattern, but with a dark and unexpected twist. So unexpected, in fact, that it has taken us quite a while to catch up to what they've actually done. Surveillance capitalism claims private human experience for the marketplace, for the market dynamic. 
It says the private human experience is now a source of free, raw material. Just like harvesting wheat or collecting ore from a mountainside, we are a source of free, raw material that can be processed into data, and those data can be computed and sold and purchased and owned. That sequence has created the largest, wealthiest, and most powerful companies like Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and Amazon that the world has ever known. All of that begins with the unilateral declaration that private human experience is ours for the taking. Ultimately, what surveillance capitalists are trying to do is sell predictions. It's not only to know our behavior, but it's to predict our behavior. That's how they make their money. Those predictions are not to improve our lives, but rather they're sold to businesses and to business customers who have business interests in knowing what we will do next, because that raises the certainty that they have about how to successfully sell us things or how to reward and punish us in real time in order to get us to behave in a way that serves their bottom lines. Companies have got so much information about us that they're now learning in experimental ways how to use that information to actually control our behavior and modify our behavior in the direction that suits their bottom line. Pokemon Go is a game that was incubated in Google for many years. It was staffed by Google executives, run by Google executives, invented by Google people, spun out of Google, with Google remaining a major investor. Pokemon Go, it turns out, was a game within a game. People thought they were playing this augmented reality game, when in fact the game itself was designed to herd people through the city to service establishments, restaurants, and other kinds of places that paid the game for footfall. But footfall, for their foot to fall there. In other words, just as online advertisers pay the companies for click-through, real-world establishments were paying Pokemon Go creators Niantic Labs for the guaranteed footfall, actual bodies, real feet in their restaurants, in their bars, in their coffee shops, and so forth, including McDonald's and Starbucks. This was a large-scale experiment. It turned out in how to use gamification, rewards, and punishments to hurt people, modify their behavior, get them to go where you want them to go, where you're going to make money on their behavior. On Engadget.com, there's an article called The Surveillance Profiteers of COVID-19 Are Here. The pandemic has us all in vulnerable positions, and some tech companies are just ethics-free enough to step in and take advantage of the entire population's being held hostage by COVID-19. They see us as profitable, captive data generators, while their PR departments act like they did something virtuous for the greater good, like Zoom. For reasons us privacy nerds can't comprehend, many people rush to adopt and use Zoom for in-home teleconferencing once all the sheltering in place started. Zoom happens to be a privacy nightmare with a terrible security track record, so bad that in late 2019, Epic, Electronic Privacy Information Center, 
made an official complaint to the FTC, alleging unfair and deceptive practices. According to Epic, Zoom intentionally designed its web conferencing service to bypass browser security settings and remotely enable users' web camera without the knowledge or consent of the user. That's not all. Zoom collects your physical address, phone number, your job title, credit and debit card information, your Facebook account, your IP address, your OS and device details, and more, and traffics that data to whomever it's doing business with. It's unclear where or how Zoom snatches that info, except to say it's when you use or otherwise interact with our products. Elizabeth M. Reneris, a fellow at Harvard's Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society, explained in When Privacy Meets Pandemic how it's critical that core international human rights principles on privacy are baked into coronavirus-related tech. What happens if we trace people with no ability to help them, Reneris wrote? What if it just doesn't work in some context? We especially have to ask these questions where some experimental methods for contact tracing are being entrusted to large for-profit tech companies, Ms. Reneris adds. While no one seriously questions the need for interventions that can protect public health and safety, the framing of many privacy-related concerns skips a fundamental step in the analysis, naming asking when an interference with fundamental rights is justified. This analysis is grounded in core principles of international human rights law, not something particularly within Facebook or Google's expertise. If the privacy community skips this critical step, we have already lost the battle to protect our fundamental rights. As you may know, China and Israel have gone full draconian. Israel has decided to leverage novel coronavirus in order to lean in on that whole police state thing. Last week, the Israeli government issued emergency orders granting the Shin Bet Security Service the authority to track its citizens, reported Haaretz, allowing digital monitoring of coronavirus patients, cell phones, using means that were not disclosed. The country's security service is using the technology at its disposal to track the routes that patients have taken outside their homes and to determine whom they have gotten close to and tracking details of all calls made by coronavirus patients. But at least Israel is supposed to have an expiration date on keeping citizen data, unlike China. After unsuccessfully concealing the severity of its COVID-19 outbreak for two months, China rolled out the advanced tracking tech it used to round up more than a million Uyghur Muslims now in concentration camps and uses that tech to enforce an isolation policy. It includes phone tracking, facial recognition, and requiring hundreds of millions of citizens in lockdown to download an app. The app places people into three stoplight categories Green is free to move about. Red is 14-day quarantine. China, of course, said this was successful in stopping the pandemic, which has since resurfaced in the country, challenging that claim. On business-humanrights.org, they have an article entitled COVID-19 Outbreak, Surveillance, Censorship, and Privacy. In response to global COVID-19 pandemic, governments worldwide are adopting a host of measures to track and monitor infections and counter disinformation. To contain the outbreak, 
Some countries are deploying sweeping surveillance networks, personal mobile phone tracking, and artificial intelligence and facial recognition technologies. At the same time, governments are taking steps to tackle the rapid spread of false and misleading information which has accompanied the outbreak on social media. Labeled by the World Health Organization as a massive infodemic, which threatens to undermine the efforts to counter the outbreak, social media companies have also taken steps to tackle false claims and direct users to accurate information. However, there are fears that authorities may be using the threat of infection and disinformation as a pretext to disproportionately increase surveillance capacities, crack down on fundamental freedoms, and justify heavy censorship that muzzles independent sources of information, in addition to legitimately harmful content. On BusinessInsider.com, they have an article about Edward Snowden. And basically, it just says that Edward Snowden said in an interview on Monday that increased surveillance amid the coronavirus outbreak could lead to long-lasting erosion of civil liberties. Specifically, he theorized that states might demand access to people's health data, such as their heart rate, from wearables. Countries have been rapidly ramping up their surveillance of citizens to study and curb the spread of the virus, ranging from mapping anonymized phone location data to highly invasive powers, like allowing the security services to track people's phones without a warrant. And they're going even further. They're surveilling people's waste, our waste matter. This is from the Michigan Engineer News Center, news.engine.umich.edu. This article is called A Sewage Surveillance Effort to Track COVID-19. A Sewage Surveillance Effort to Track COVID-19. They're surveilling our sewage. We don't know much about how coronaviruses move through the environment. UM and Stanford engineers aim to change that. Could a community's wastewater give an early warning of the spread of COVID-19? With a rapid response grant from the National Science Foundation, a research team from the University of Michigan and Stanford University is exploring this and other questions about how the novel coronavirus behaves and moves through the environment. Krista Wigington, project leader and the associate professor of civil and environmental engineering at UM, who was a visiting professor at Stanford this semester, has been studying the coronavirus for the last several years. Infected individuals shed viruses, or at least viral genetic material, in their waste. One of the key areas we're exploring is whether we can detect this new virus, SARS-CoV-2, in a community's wastewater before it's known to be circulating there, Wigginton said. The case numbers we're seeing reported in the U.S. and lots of other places are dependent on how many test kits we have. So the curve displaying the number of cases is more of a curve of test kit availability in a community. What we see in wastewater may look totally different. It could perhaps provide a clearer picture of how broadly the disease is spreading because it could pick up evidence of upticks in more mild cases of those that bring no symptoms at all. Going forward, if the pandemic continues in waves, wastewater sentinels could inform before ICU admissions spike. 
when we need to head back indoors for another period of social distancing. Having a better way to know when social distancing is required would be helpful, said Alexandria Bowen, a professor of environmental engineering and the lead of the project at Stanford. Our hope is that we can detect an uptick in cases with this tool faster than we can through clinical testing. We don't know that for sure, but that's the hypothesis. It sounds to me like the earlier you halt the transmission in the community, the shorter periods of time you'll need to restrict social distancing measures and the less inconvenient it will be for the community. Sewage surveillance is already used in Israel to monitor poliovirus circulation. And in the case of COVID-19, the data could also provide insights into the diversity of viruses circulating in a community. So what's the prescription for change? The first antidote to surveillance capitalism that comes to mind is government. European governments and courts are seeking to place controls on how the Googles of the world use our information. The primary goal is the protection of privacy. Unfortunately, as we are seeing in the Facebook controversies, this is difficult to implement. Others have suggested a market approach. They describe a future in which a value is placed on information we provide to the practitioners of the surveillance capitalism. If required to buy personal information, the argument goes, it will alter business models, requiring practitioners to think twice before sweeping up every bit of information users make available to them free on a daily basis. A hacker-to-hacker market exists for information today with values placed on various types of information about us. The question remains how a market for such information could be created between individuals and legitimate businesses. As individuals, we can control our behaviors and our use of new technologies, even dropping out of sight of surveillance capitalists. But at what price? Shoshana Zuboff mentions that there are three arenas that must be addressed if we're going to end this age of surveillance capitalism just as we once ended the Gilded Age. First, we need to see a change in public opinion. This begins with the power of naming. It means awakening to a sense of indignation and outrage. We say no. We say this is not okay. Second, we need to muster the resources of our democratic institutions in the form of law and regulation. These include, but also move beyond, privacy and antitrust laws. We also need to develop new laws and regulatory institutions that specifically address the mechanisms and imperatives of surveillance capitalism. The third arena relates to the opportunity for competitive solutions. Every survey of Internet users has shown that once people become aware of surveillance capitalist backstage practices, they reject them. That points to a disconnect between supply and demand, a market failure. So once again, we see a historic opportunity for an alliance of companies to found an alternative ecosystem, one that returns us to the earlier promise of the digital age and the era of empowerment and democratization of knowledge. And lastly, I'd like to share an excerpt from John Norton of The Guardian, dated January 20th, 2019, from his article called, The Goal is to Automate Us, 
Welcome to the age of surveillance capitalism. The combination of the state surveillance and its capitalist counterpart means that digital technology is separating the citizens in all societies into two groups, the watchers, invisible, unknown, and unaccountable, and the watched. This has profound consequences for democracy because asymmetry of knowledge translates into asymmetries of power. But whereas most democratic societies have at least some degree of oversight of state surveillance, we currently have almost no regulatory oversight of its privatized counterpart. This is intolerable. The evolution did not stop there. Ultimately, they understood that the most predictive behavioral data comes from what I call economies of action. As systems are designed to intervene in the state of play that actually modify behavior, shaping it toward desired commercial outcomes, we saw the experimental development of this new means of behavioral modification in Facebook's contagion experiments and Google's incubated augmented reality game, Pokemon Go. It's no longer enough to automate information flows about us. The goal now is to automate us. These processes are meticulously designed to produce ignorance by circumventing individual awareness and thus eliminate any possibility of self-determination. As one data scientist explained to me, we could engineer the context around a particular behavior and force change that way. We are learning how to write the music, and then we let the music make them dance. So they want to write the song, the melody, <laughs> and watch us dance to the beat of their drum. Overstand, beautiful loves, awake and aware ones. We are being monitored on a whole new level. What's that old saying? The devil's in the details. They are actively collecting specifics, nuances, and facets. Overstand. The plan. And understand yourself. Stand within self with extra strength, sure-footed and specific in the moves you make and the risks you take. Be mindful. Be mindful. We're going to take a music moment and come back with the go and gnosis, blessings, and grace.
be more than a hashtag More than a profile posting a do-rag More than a raised black fist when we get mad More than a lace front wig MCM bag It's a real war With a real pale horse and a real whore A real major beef to settle with a real score Self-sufficient on my people, nothing less or more It's Emmett Till, Pika Still, and Brian Moore More than organized marches and death music Timmy Turner had a burner, but he never used it You're a panda, I'm a panther, don't ever confuse it And if you're mad like you say you mad, then you should lose it You should lose it for the Dantes, Eric Gardner The Romali Grams and Johnny Crawfords The Sarah Blands, the Freddie Grays in South Chicago Sean Bell, Young Chantel, and A. Diallo V. White, Tamir Rice, and Ronald Beasley P. Jones, Deontay Ferro, Rest Easy Derek Jones, Raheem Brown, and Kenneth Harding Alonzo, Wendell Allen, and Tammy Starling Ezel, Kajin Powell, A.K. Gurley, McKenzie Andy Lopez, and Miriam Carey Carlos, Larry Eugene, and Young Kamani Yvette, Tyree Woodson, Timmy Rutson Ronaldo, Kendrick McDade Melissa Williams, and all of your nephews And your brothers, and your husbands And your cousins, and your loved ones And your loved ones It's our world Yo, it's our world. It's our world. It's our world. Yo, it's your world. Yo, it's our world.
Blessings and grace, and welcome to the Go and Gnosis, your news infused with consciousness, starting off on OddsTechnica.com. CDC's failed coronavirus tests were tainted with coronavirus. Feds confirm. A federal investigation found CDC researchers not following protocol. As the new coronavirus took roots in America, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention sent states tainted test kits in early February that were themselves seeded with the virus, federal officials have confirmed. The contamination made the tests uninterpretable, and because testing is crucial for contaminant efforts, it's lost the country invaluable time to get ahead of the advancing pandemic. The CDC had been vague about what went wrong with the tests, initially saying that a problem in the manufacturing of one of the reagents had led to the failure. Subsequent reporting suggests that the problem was a negative control that is a part of the test meant to be free of any trace of the coronavirus as a critical reference for confirming the tests were not working properly overall. Now, according to investigation results reported by the New York Times, federal officials confirm that sloppy laboratory practices at two of three CDC labs involved in the test creation led to contamination of the test and their uninterpretable results. After the CDC first sent its test kit to states in early February, it took the agency around a month to fix the problem. By then, the virus had invaded many communities unimpeded, and any chance that the United States had at containing its spread had virtually vanished. By mid-March, many states turned to mitigation efforts, such as social distancing, to try to blunt rather than prevent the life-threatening healthcare overwhelming effects of COVID-19. Moving forward to scmp.com, South China Morning Post. Coronavirus. United States University stops using Chinese testing kits after some found to be contaminated. University of Washington School of Medicine had airlifted tens of thousands of kits from Shanghai factory. Liquid and small percentage of vials change color, an indication of bacterial growth. Some appeared cloudy too. UW Medicine has decided to halt, at least temporarily, the use of testing kits from Lincoln Precision Medical Products after a small percentage of the kits showed signs of contamination. I've just recommended everyone who has these things pause and not use them at all, said Joff Bird, an interim chair of the University of Washington Department of Laboratory Medicine, who was part of the group that went to great lengths to secure the materials. I can't say I'm not disappointed. Bird said he first learned of the problem on April 16th when a colleague had notified him that the liquid had changed in color. Moving forward to independent.co.uk, human trials of potential coronavirus vaccine developed at the University of Oxford to begin on Thursday, Health Secretary Mac Hancock has announced. And one member of the Oxford team said that if the trials are successful, millions of doses of vaccine could be available for use by the autumn of this year. And a breakthrough which would potentially signal the start of the world's slow emergence from an outbreak 
which has already claimed 175,000 lives and caused devastating economic damage. Despite a normal development time of 18 months or more for a vaccine, the Oxford researchers, led by Professor Sarah Gilbert, believes large-scale production could be underway as early as September, about nine months after the novel virus was first spotted in the Chinese city of Wuhan. Mr. Hancock said the government will now invest in manufacturing capability so that if either the Oxford or Imperial vaccine works safely, it will be made available to the UK public as early as humanly possible. Moving forward to Politico.com, Trudeau, Canadian planes sent to China to pick up medical supplies returned empty. Truck shipments of supplies to Chinese airports have been interrupted by checkpoints and quarantines, the Prime Minister said. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says two planes sent to China to pick up shipments of sorely needed medical supplies were forced to return to Canada empty. Trudeau told reporters today that the cargo-less planes are an example of the complexities in China when it comes to securing personal protective equipment, which has become a valuable commodity in the global battle against COVID-19. Unfortunately, the planes had to take off in the situation without receiving their cargo deliveries, Trudeau said during his daily COVID-19 update. We have been fighting in a very competitive international environment where everyone is looking for PPE. Trudeau did not specify whether the recent introduction of tougher export controls in China have been contributing to the holdups, but he said China still has received millions of PPE in recent days, and he expects more shipments to arrive over coming days and weeks. For Canada's COVID-19 response, Trudeau announced $350 million in new funding today for charities and nonprofit organizations that deliver essential services to vulnerable people. Moving forward to Vice.com, neo-Nazis are spreading a list of emails and passwords for Gates Foundation and WHO World Health Organization employees. Both organizations are the targets of quote-unquote absurd conspiracy theories among the far right. A data dump of what appears to be the email addresses and passwords of members of the Gates Foundation, the World Health Organization, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and a virology center based in Wuhan, China, is circulating within a network of neo-Nazi extremists. The data dump and circulation appears to be an attempt at intimidating several of the leading government and non-governmental groups currently leading the fight against the worldwide coronavirus pandemic, though it's likely many of the emails and passwords are outdated. In recent weeks, far-right extremists have become particularly enamored with sowing disinformation about COVID-19 pandemic, stoking protest and anti-government sentiment in hopes of creating social chaos. Many experts have openly warned that accelerationists, followers of violent political doctrine, calling for terrorist actions to hasten the collapse of society, have seen an opportunity in the current pandemic to test already weakened governments that are struggling to contain the virus. 
far-right extremists, distribution of allegedly hacked data by organizations like WHO and the Gates Foundation is fitting to how they've targeted medical organizations and personnel amid the pandemic, said Executive Director Rita Katz. Whether out of accelerationist or conspiratorial-minded motivations, white supremacists and neo-Nazis have called to vandalize hospitals intentionally infect medical workers and beyond. Katz explained that the hacked data could lead to continued conspiracy theories proliferating about the pandemic and the potential for violent actors to act on those fictitious, dangerous theories. Far-right communities online have an enormous capacity to disseminate this hacked data, especially as their audience grow amid this pandemic, Katz said. Moving forward to businessinsider.com, Denmark and Poland are refusing to bail out companies registered in offshore tax havens. Denmark and Poland won't give financial aid to companies registered in offshore tax havens. Governments around the world are scrambling to bail out their economies with huge stimulus packages amid the coronavirus crisis. Denmark and Poland are the first to exclude firms that incorporate themselves in famous tax havens, meaning they can avoid domestic business taxes. Companies based on tax havens, in accordance with EU guidelines, cannot receive compensation insofar as it is possible to cut them off. A translation of a Saturday statement from Denmark's finance ministry said, Companies that seek to dodge their obligations to broader society by cutting their tax bills shouldn't expect to get bailed out when things go wrong. Robert Palmer, the executive director of Tax Justice UK, told Business Insider. Moving forward to the Middle East Eye.net exclusive, Saudis launched all-price war after MBS shouting match with Putin. Saudi Crown Prince threatened Russian president over production costs prior to flooding the market. The call ended badly. Source tells MEE, a telephone call last month between Russian President Vladimir Putin and Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman degenerated into a shouting match just before Riyadh decided to flood the market with oil in a move which sent prices spiraling. Saudi officials, with knowledge of the disastrous call, told Middle East Eye that the row threatened to undo months of detent between the two countries, in which a significant arms trade was also agreed. The call took place just before an OPEC Plus meeting on March 6, in which major oil producers failed to agree a deal on cutting production despite falling global demand as a consequence of the coronavirus pandemic. Just before the meeting, there was a call between Putin and MBS. MBS was very aggressive, and gave an ultimatum. He threatened if there is no agreement, Saudi would start a price war. The conversation was very personal. They shouted at each other. Putin refused the ultimatum, and the call ended badly. The Saudi official said, speaking on condition of anonymity, before getting aggressive with Putin, Ben Salman checked in with Jared Kushner, President Donald Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor who has been described as the prince's most important defender inside the White House. According to a second source, 
who also spoke on condition of anonymity. The call to Putin had Trump's blessing through Kushner. Kushner did not ask MBS to do it, but Kushner knew about it and did not veto it. Ben Salman drew his own conclusions, the source said. All prices plummeted after the meeting in which OPEC, Russia, and other countries failed to agree on proposed cuts of 1.5 million barrels a day. Reports of the meeting suggested that Saudi Arabia had tried to strong-arm Russia, with one industry analyst commenting, We have just witnessed the perils of backing Putin into a corner. The collapsing oil price was initially hailed by Trump, who initially presented it as an opportunity to fill up the United States' own reserves with cheap oil. But the White House subsequently reversed course after protests from United States oil producers, many of whom have invested in more costly shale oil extraction and require significantly higher prices in order to break even. Moving forward to news.antiwar.com. United States warships enter disputed waters as tensions with China escalate. In all cases where China's marine time claims and the South China Sea conflict with another nation, the United States is backing the other nation. This looks to be coming to a new dangerous moment as United States warships enter the area to confront a Chinese research ship. The research ship is near Malaysia, claimed water, and there are claims the Chinese ship is following a Malaysian state oil company ship that is conducting exploratory drilling. The United States said this was bullying behavior and sent warships to the area. China denied United States claims of a standoff, saying the research ship is conducting normal business. Malaysia and Vietnam have both made claims on territorial waters, which China also claims. The South China Sea is believed to have a lot of offshore energy reserves, and China's substantial claims are believed to be at least in part an effort to ensure that they get a share of that energy, if indeed it eventually is exploited. Since the other nations in these disputes broadly don't have internal abilities to exploit offshore oil and gas, United States involvement is likely being done both to spite China and with an eye toward getting United States companies lucrative service contracts in the future. We're going to take a music moment and come back with technology, blessings, and grace. Whether black or white, short, tall or long Good enough like the star or sun Life children remember we all are one Together we all are strong, one for all All for one, Bobby Round No give for little color from Them want me so all over land Life children hurt, them want put scarf on no swap Organs for caravan I bear weeping and wailing The evil must get defeated them gone way beneath If we shy, see prevailing Time for trample the peace Life will belong to the me Two old shot a beat And no flesh drop asleep Some say I miss a lead and copper tweet No one other mama and papa weep First of all, them not have no food crop a reap 
Plus the little cottage roof top a leak Some can't afford boat box Must necessary funeral expense Make them run like a thief Now I be weeping and wailing The evil must get defeated Them gone way beneath Because shy it's keep rebelling Time for trample the beast Life hurt belong to the me Forward upright and straight Same so I went low As pure as the rain glow Because never too for fame though Many think I'm insane though Boys and girls compatible like Siv and Son Tell kid and some fish no feel live and land Boy have a sit and bam Say them bad big and trunk Some wearing blows and skirts just wig and tongue Weeping and wailing The evil must get defeat Them gone way beneath The Kushites keep prevailing Burn the damn bloody beast Life hurt belong to the me Push I tell you say the youth them ready for hire Some no one go no school gun them ready for fire Good people blood them shady for liar And thief gone at church but them ready for prayer Your damn filthy slave you a hurry to your grave you Fame or your money can't save you Just a act like you're brave you Coward and you're crave Mind you get a judgment page too I be weeping and wailing The evil must get defeat Them gone way beneath Because shies keep prevailing Burn the damn bloody peace Life earth belong to the me
blessings and grace, and welcome to Technology. I'll be starting off at thewatchtowers.org. Microsoft owns international patent number 060606, a cryptocurrency system using humans who have been chipped as miners. Microsoft patent 060606, body interfaced digital currency. Body interfaced digital currency. What are the chances a device on the body that is used for digital translations would have a patent number 060606? Also, Microsoft patented this on March 26 of this year. The full patent ID is WO2020-06606. The black box computers gives the human a device coupled to their body with a numbered cryptocurrency wallet. The person is monitored and communicated with over the internet via the coupled device to their body. A person is given credits, money, cryptocurrency based on the body's movements. A person is given credits, money, or cryptocurrency based on the body's movements, physical compliance, labor movements, with which you can then use to buy and sell. Directly from the patent, it says, human body activity associated with the task provided to a user may be used in mining process of a cryptocurrency system. A server may provide a task to a device of a user, which is communicatively coupled to the server. A sensor communicatively coupled to or comprised in the device of the user may sense body activity of the user. Body activity data may be generated based on the sense body activity of the user. The cryptocurrency system communicatively coupled to the device of the user may verify if the body activity satisfies one or more conditions set by the cryptocurrency system and award cryptocurrency to the user whose body activity data is verified. This is creepy. Sounds like the mark of the beast. But read for yourself. There's a link to the patent on thewatchtowers.org. The Watchtowers with an S dot org. What I just read was from the abstract, and I also read the description of the drawings of the, of um, figure one of what this would entail. I am not shocked, but I am dismayed. Burn fire on all their contraptions. Moving forward to NBCConnecticut.com. Westport police to test pandemic drone that can sense fevers and coughing. Westport, Connecticut police are going to be testing a pandemic drone that can monitor people's temperatures from 190 feet away and detect sneezing, coughing, and heart and breathing rates amid the coronavirus pandemic. Westport police say that they are working with Dragonfly, a drone company, to test technology in an effort to help combat the spread of coronavirus. 
A news release from Dragonfly said the pandemic drone will be equipped with a specialized sensor and computer vision systems that can display fever temperature, heart and respiratory rates, as well as detect people sneezing, coughing in crowds, and wherever groups of people may work or congregate. Police said the drone software uses biometric readings to understand population patterns and allows quicker reaction time to ongoing events or potential health threats. The program is called the Flatten the Curve Pilot Program. Police said it will not be used in individual private yards, and it does not use facial recognition technology. Using drones remain a go-to technology for reaching remote areas with little or no manpower required. Because of this technology, our officers will have the information and quality data they need to make the best decision in any given situation. Westport Police Chief Fody Koskinas said in a news release. Moving forward to the rap.com, Facebook will remove content organizing protest against stay-at-home orders, Zuckerberg says. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg on Monday said that tech giant is removing posts that look to promote or organize protest against stay-at-home orders due to COVID-19. Zuckerberg, in an interview with ABC's George Stephanopoulos on Good Morning America, was asked how the company is dealing with Facebook being used to organize a lot of these protests to defy social distancing guidelines. Stephanopoulos then asked if this fits Facebook's harmful misinformation designation. We do classify that as harmful misinformation, and we take that down, Zuckerberg said. At the same time, it's important that people can debate policies so there's a line on this, you know. More than normal political discourse, I think a lot of the stuff that people are saying that is false around a health emergency like this can be classified as harmful misinformation. So Facebook now decides which organized protests that they can promote or take down based on whether they deem it harmful misinformation. Moving forward to MSN.com, Amazon-owned Whole Foods is quietly tracking its employees with a heat map tool that ranks which stores are most at risk of unionizing. A heat map tool that ranks which stores are most at risk of unionizing. According to five people with knowledge of the effort and internal documents reviewed by Business Insider, the scores are based on more than two dozen metrics, including racial diversity, employee loyalty, tip line calls, there are tip line calls, and violations recorded by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. In response to this story, Whole Foods said, Whole Foods Market recognizes the rights of our team members to decide whether union representation is right for them. We agree with the overwhelming majority of our team members that a direct relationship with Whole Food Markets and its leadership, where team members have open lines of communication and every individual is empowered to share feedback directly with their team leader, is best. Amazon did not respond to a request for comment. Tracking active or potential unionization is a common practice among large companies, according to labor experts. 
Whole Foods is keeping an eye on stores at risk of unionizing through an interactive heat map. The heat map is powered by an elaborate scoring system, which assigns a rating to each of Whole Foods' 510 stores based on the likelihood that their employees might form or join a union. The map also tracks local economic and demographic factors, such as the unemployment rate in a store's location and the percentage of families in the area living below the poverty line. The store's scores on each metric are fed into the heat map, which is a geographic illustration of the United States, peppered with red spots to indicate high-risk Whole Foods stores. The heat map reveals how Whole Foods is using technology and data to help manage its vast workforce of more than 95,000 employees. It also provides a real look into corporate labor tracking activities, a common practice among large companies, but one rarely discussed publicly. Moving forward to fizz.org, researchers unveil electronics that mimic the human brain and efficient learning. Only 10 years ago, scientists working on what they hoped would open a new frontier of neuromorphic computing could only dream of a device using miniature tools called memristors that would function, operate like real brain synapses. But now a team at the University of Massachusetts Amherst has discovered, while on their way to better understanding protein nanowires, they have protein nanowires now, how to use these biological electricity conducting filaments to make a neuromorphic memristor or memory transistor, a memristor, a memory transistor device. It runs extremely efficiently on very low power as brains do to carry signals between neurons. Details are in Nature Communications. Co-author Jun Yao says this is the first time that a device can function at the same voltage level as the brain. People probably didn't even dare to hope that we could create a device that is as power efficient as the biological counterparts in a brain. But now we have realistic evidence of ultra-low power computing capabilities. It's a concept breakthrough, and we think it's going to cause a lot of exploration and electronics that work in the biological voltage regime. Protein nanowires are more stable in water or body fluids, an important feature for biomedical applications. Fu Yao Lovely and colleagues plan to follow up this discovery with more research on mechanisms and to fully explore the chemistry, biology, and electronics of protein nanowires and memristors, Fu says, plus possible applications, which might include a device to monitor heart rate, for example. Yao adds, this offers hope in the feasibility that one day this device can talk to actual neurons and biological systems. So they want the synthetic neurons to talk to the human neurons in biological systems. Moving forward to EurekaAlert.org, Penn Engineers' new scavenger technology allows robots to eat metal for energy. Rather than from the chemicals in a battery, the researcher's metal air scavenger vehicle gets energy from breaking chemical bonds in the metal surfaces they travel over. When electronics need their own power sources, 
there are two basic options, batteries and harvesters. Batteries store energy internally, but are therefore heavy and have limited supply. Harvesters, such as solar panels, collect energy from their environments. This gets around some of the downsides of batteries, but introduces new ones. In it, they can only operate in certain conditions and can't turn that energy into useful power very quickly. New research from the University of Pennsylvania School of Engineering and Applied Science is bridging the gap between two fundamental technologies for the first time in the form of metal air scavenger that gets the best of both worlds. This metal air scavenger works like a battery in that it provides power by repeatedly breaking and forming a series of chemical bonds, but it also works like a harvester and that power is supplied by energy in its environment. Specifically, the chemical bonds in metal and air surrounding the metal air scavenger. The result is a power source that has 10 times more power density than the best energy harvesters and 13 times more energy density than lithium-ion batteries. As we get robots that are more intelligent and more capable, we no longer have to restrict ourselves to plugging them into a wall. They can now find energy sources for themselves, just like humans do. Pickles says, one day a robot that needs to recharge its batteries will just need to find some aluminum to eat with the mass, which would give it enough power for it to work until its next meal. This work is supported by the Office of Naval Research. It was carried out in part at the Singh Center for Nanotechnology, which is supported by the NSF National Nanotechnology Coordinated Infrastructure Program. And moving forward, to ArsTechnica.com, Department of Defense joins fight against 5G spectrum proposal, citing risk to GPS. The Department of Defense has weighed in against a proposal before the Federal Communications Commission to open the 1 to 2 gigahertz frequency range, the L-band, for use in 5G cellular networks. The reason? Segments of that range of radio spectrum are already used by global positioning system signals, GPS signals, and other military systems. In a letter to FCC Chairman Ajit Pai, Secretary of Defense Mark Esper pressed for the rejection of the proposal by Legato Networks, formerly known as Light Squared, saying there are too many unknowns and the risks are far too great to federal operations to allow Legato's proposed system to proceed. This could have significant negative impact on military operations, both in peacetime and war. The FCC has already largely brushed aside similar opposition from NASA, the U.S. Navy, and the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, among others, over another spectrum block in a 24 gigahertz range which is used by weather satellites for remote monitoring of water vapor. But comments are still being collected on the Legato plan for sharing the 1675 to 1680 MHz block of the L-band. Pi has been supportive of the plan because that range is adjacent to existing 1670 and 1675 MHz block already in use for wireless services. GPS signals use several blocks of the L-band, including a primary channel centered on 
1575.42 MHz. GPS uses L-band signals because of their ability to penetrate cloud cover, rain, and vegetation. The L-band is also used by the Department of Defense for a number of other purposes, including tactical air navigation, landing assistance telemetry, identity friend or foe, IFF signals, and missile range and aircraft telemetry. Though the Department of Defense has already had to move some of these applications further up the spectrum range to make room for previous commercial reallocation, Legato's request for bandwidth sharing is tied to the company's planned collaboration with satellite communications company Inmarsat, which would provide satellite coverage for Legato's 5G network. Inmarsat currently uses L-band for mobile satellite communication services, including tactical satellite communications marketed to the military around the 1.5 gigahertz range. But thanks to the inverse square law, signals could be susceptible to even lower power signal interference, particularly those from GPS. That is why the original light squared proposal for a blended satellite and 4G network in the 1.52 and 1.55 gigahertz range was opposed by the Department of Defense and others. GPS signals arriving from space could be overpowered by ground-based transmissions, as shown in tests performed in 2011. The tests demonstrated there are significant detrimental impacts to all GPS applications assessed. So 5G has a detrimental impact on all GPS applications assessed. A report from the National Space-Based Positioning, Navigation, and Timing Systems Engineering Forum noted. So I guess we have to hold on to our physical maps and teach our children how to read them, just in case. We're going to take a music moment and come back with Herbnology. Blessings and grace.
before the green consumes you. Focused on the dollar and the dream. Until the body lets down on you. You say the cat is hard to chew. So you'd rather eat your junk food. Stagnant frequency inside the temple. Now it's affecting your mental state of mind. It happens all the time. You better eat your greens, greens, greens. Asparagus, parsley, cucumber, kale, and don't forget the collard greens. You know I love my avocado I'm in love with the cocoa coconut Daylight come told me I go pick a bunch of green banana Boil it in a stew So you know I gotta add some callaloo Eat your greens. Blessings and grace, and welcome to Herbnology. I'll be focusing on herbs that increase your white blood cells, thereby increasing your immunity. The first one is echinacea. This antiviral and antibacterial herb contains polysaccharides that increases the body's production of white blood cells, which fight infection. Echinacea is available in extract or tablet form. Astragalus. Research revealed that astragalus increases B lymphocyte and T lymphocyte levels, interleukin and antibody production. Additionally, the University of Texas found that astragalus enhanced the immune system's ability to identify bacteria, viruses, and even cancer cells. The American Cancer Society demonstrated that cancer patients who took astragalus concurrently with radiation and chemotherapy had faster recovery times and lived longer. In fact, only two weeks of use, white blood cells increased significantly. Cat's claw. The bark and root have been used traditionally by tribal herbalists for 2,000 years to treat a wide range of health conditions including chronic inflammatory disorders, bacterial, fungal infections, arthritis, dysentery, fevers, stomach ulcers, and various gastrointestinal issues, and even for birth control. Yin chow, or honeysuckle for scythia, traditional Chinese medicine practitioners often prescribe this nine-herb formula, which contains soothing licorice, nasal-clearing peppermint, Perspiration stimulating Jing Jai and Lu Gin, which soothes the lungs and stomach. Garlic, a powerful antioxidant with antimicrobial, antiviral, and antibiotic properties. It's also a natural decongestant. Elderberry, elderberries are packed with quercetin, an antioxidant with antihistamine and anti inflammatory effects. A teaspoon of elderberry syrup can combat flu symptoms and help people with sinus pain or chronic fatigue find relief. Andographes. 
Andrographes is a plant commonly used in Asian countries to prevent influenza and soothe digestive issues, liver conditions, fever, and sore throats. The herb's detoxifying properties cleanse the blood and strengthen the immune system to fight infection. Ginger, this pungent root, is powerful as antihistamine and decongestant that delivers a one-two punch against cold symptoms and to stir-fry dishes or boil it to make a cup of ginger tea. Medicinal mushrooms. Chinese and Japanese herbal medicine practitioners have used medicinal mushrooms for centuries and blends containing shiitake, reishi, and mataki mushrooms are great for strengthening the immune system. Again, that's medicinal mushrooms, ginger, andrographes, elderberry, garlic, ying chow, also known as honeysuckle for scythia, astragalus, echinacea, and cat's claw. Look to the nature of the Most High as your first line of defense for all your healing needs. We're going to take a music moment and come back with the metaphysics of the moment. Blessings and grace.
It is time you open up that metaphysical grave that had been dug for you, the part of you, the spark that lays buried. That is what's going to open you up. That's what's going to give you the ability to escape. Escape your metaphysical mind. Blessings and grace. And welcome to the metaphysics of the moment. I'll be starting off with the Hebrew word Nazareth. It means branch, offshoot, sprout, verdant, shining, splendor, observed. As a covenant, watched, guarded, defended, preserved. Nazareth should not be confused with Nazarite, since in Hebrew, the two names are quite different. A town of Galilee, the boyhood home of Yeshua, Matthew 2.23. Metaphysically, a synagogue is a place of worship, and the Sabbath is a state of rest. Luke 4.16 runs, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And he entered, as his custom was, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up to read. This means that when we begin to awaken to the truth that we are the sons of the Most High, branches of the one true vine, when we take the attitude of worship, of watching, of centering the mind's eye on the Christ truth, and rest in that consciousness, we are receptive to the inspiration of spirit. Nazareth was a despised place, and as such would be a type of inferiority. It was considered a community of commonplace, if not disreputable people. The hood. Could any good thing come out of Nazareth? Yet, in this commonplace village, Yeshua was reared, and in seemingly mediocre mind, the Christ truth is received and expressed. Nazareth typifies the commonplace mind of man but it is a place of development through which the Christ comes into expression. The Hebrew word zephi, it means outlook, watcher, watchtower, high watch, awaiting, expectation, attention, observation. A son of Eliphaz and grandson of Esau, 1 Chronicles 136 and Genesis 36, 11 and 5, he is called Zepho. Metaphysically, Zephi, a watchful seeing, expectant thought or attitude of mind with an upward tendency that belongs seemingly to the outer or physical man. The Hebrew word shemir, it means stiff, rigid, bristling, hard, thorn, sharp point, adamant, diamond, fixed stare, hard look, close watch. Observation, keeping a commandment, regard, approval, honor, worship, preservation. A city in the hill country of Judah, Joshua 15:48. A city in the hill country of Ephraim, where Tola, a deliverer of Israel, lived, Judge 10:1. A Levite son of Micah, First Chronicles 24:24. Metaphysically, Shemir. A sharp, piercing, perceiving, 
unyielding phase of consciousness and the faculties in man that are represented by Judah, Ephraim, and Levi. These thoughts are always to the point and do not prevaricate a sharp point. Hence, when they take sides with truth, they are approved by our higher consciousness and are very useful in overcoming error. Mitzpah is Hebrew for looking out, scanning the horizon, watchtower, lofty place, given increased vision, broad vision, seen from afar, speculation, observation, inquiry. The place where Jacob and Laban met and parted after Jacob had taken his family and possessions and had stolen away from Laban. And Laban came after him and overtaken him. They called the name of the place Mitzpah, for he said, Jehovah watched between me and thee when we are absent one from another. Genesis 31:49. This place became the site of a city of Israel. Judge 10:17. There were other places in Palestine by this name. Joshua 11:3, Nehemiah 3:15 and others. Metaphysically, mitzvah, spiritual watching, being on guard against the encroachment of error. The great spiritual teacher instructs us not only to pray, but to take heed, watch, and pray. Mark 13.33 The second step that Samuel took, 1 Samuel 7.2-12, in leading the children of Israel out against the Philistines, was to have the Israelites assemble at Mitzpah, which means watchtower. In order to maintain consciousness of one's unity, with the Most High, and to keep one's forces organized in singleness of thought and purpose, one must keep the attention steadily fixed in the direction to that to which one aspires. Samuel here is only carrying out the spiritual injunction, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. By looking away from the besetting forces of materiality, and by maintaining the high watch, the broad vision, one is enabled to discern the action of the Most High in the various situations of life. The stone called Ebenezer, 1 Samuel 7.12, refers to the Christ who is in every individual who acknowledged him, a rock of deliverance, a very present help in every time of need. This stone being placed between Mitzpah and Shen, the watchtower of prayer, and the assimilating of true ideas gained through prayer, heralds a lifting up of the whole organism and a bringing of the perfect, ideal man into manifestation. Such is the work of the Christ in every individual. The Hebrew word, Hethlon, it means swathed, bound about, wrapped up, place of concealment, lurking place, stronghold. A place mentioned by Ezekiel as being on the north, Ezekiel 47.15, metaphysically, Hethlon, the strong tendency in intellectual man 
through his highest sense reasonings, to keep the truth wrapped up and hidden from view, instead of clearing it up so that it can be comprehended in its fullness and reality. The Hebrew word ava, it means ruin, overthrown, overturned, perverted, perverse, iniquity, a small country under Assyrian rule. After the Assyrian king had conquered Hosea, king of Israel, and had carried the Israelites as captives into Assyria, he took men from Ava to settle in Samaria, 2 Kings 17.24. Metaphysically, Ava, the unrighteousness, iniquity, that works in the consciousness of man, when he allows intellectual reasonings based on sense observations to direct his will and to rule in his life, they take away his sense of safety. They take away his true thoughts founded in spirit and in place of them puts erroneous ideas that are perverted and devastating. The Hebrew word shimri, it means standing erect, watchful, observing, vigilant. Jah is watcher, keeping the Lord. Jah keeps vigil. A prince or head of a family of Simeonites, 1 Chronicle 4.37, father of Jadiel, one of David's mighty men who belonged to his guard or council, 1 Chronicles 11.45, chief son of Hosa, of the Merari Levites, 1 Chronicles 26.10, son of Elizaphan, of the Levites, 2 Chronicles 29.13. Metaphysically, Shimri, a degree of awakening to the fact that the Spirit of the Christ is ever vigilant in keeping watch in our consciousness to our eternal protection and good. Jah keeps vigil. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Jehovah is thy keeper. Psalms 121, 3. The Hebrew word shur, it means going round about, traversing, journeying, surrounding, enclosing, looking around, spying, observing, surveying, considering, regarding, beholding, wall, fortification, liar in wait, enemy, between the walls, a wilderness and a city between Palestine and Egypt, Exodus 15.22, 1 Samuel 15.7. In Numbers 33.8, the wilderness of Shur is called the wilderness of Etham. Metaphysically, Shur, the never-ceasing progress, unfoldment, and development of man. Man is ever moved in cycles, apparently in his evolution, but each time that he seems to come again to his starting place, he is a little in advance of his former state. When he begins to awaken spiritually, his progress is more rapid. There is also a thought of strength and might in this that sure signifies wall fortification. Abraham dwelt between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar, Genesis 21. Gerar signifying subjective substance, 
and life. Thus Abraham had on one hand Kadesh, the inherently pure, sinless ideal state that exists in the depths of the consciousness of every individual, and on the other hand, sure, unceasing progress. While he had his existence in life and substance, thus does faith, developed in the spiritually awakening individual, dominion, urge to exercise dominion. The power and right of dominion and authority are innate within man, having been implanted there by divine mind at man's creation. Dominion is defined as supreme authority, sovereignty. Metaphysically, as a perfect child of the Most High, man is born to complete dominion over all creation. Dominion is an inner consciousness obtained only through mind discipline. This supreme authority comes as man realizes his oneness with the Most High. The Hebrew word Midian, it means rule, government, judgment, subjugation, striving, contending, pleading, strife, contention. Fourth mentioned son of Abraham by his second wife, the Torah, Genesis 25-2. From him, the Midianites were descended. Moses went to the land of Midian and dwelt there when he fled from Pharaoh, king of Egypt, Exodus 2.15. Metaphysically, Midian pertains to rule, government, a certain sense of dominion and consciousness that comes about by the union of Abraham, the first activity of faith in human consciousness, and Keturah, a phase of soul consciousness that, though still in sense, aspires to higher things for the body. The sense of dominion, while it includes and is founded in degree of discrimination and understanding, judgment, even of the Most High and of higher things, is full of contention and strife. It is not spiritual, but it is opposed to real spiritual truth. The Midianites, descendants of Midian, were enemies of the Israelites. They represent contentious thoughts, also judgment or discrimination in sense consciousness, judgment of the senses according to outer appearances produces discordant thoughts, jealousies, and the like. The Hebrew word resin, it means executive power, reins of government, control from above, restraint, curbed, a bridle with bit, fountainhead, a city between Nineveh and Kala, an Assyrian city built by Asur, Genesis 10.12. Metaphysically, Kala signifies a state of consciousness that is built about the belief that age, as it relates to time and experience, bring balanced judgment and all-around fullness or perfection. Nineveh signifies exterior growth and outer sense of growing vigor, order, unity, harmony, and intellectual understanding that, because of not being always conscious of spirit, develops into increased materiality. Resin, the executive power, 
the reins of government. A great city that is sure built between Nineveh and Kala indicates a recognition by the natural man that there is a higher guiding, ruling, judging, restraining power in his life than that of the purely human and material. The Hebrew word mashal, it means proposition, likeness, parable, proverb, similitude, apothegm, which is a short, witty, instructional saying, or fable, or byword, government, rule, dominion, master, tyrant, a border city of Asher that was given over to the Gershomite Levites, First Chronicles 674, and Joshua 1926 and 2130, it's called Mishal. Metaphysically, Mashal, the truth of man's power and possibilities of dominion as the Son of the Most High, as made in divine likeness, hidden under the common, everyday, apparent things of life. This truth is active, though because of the lack of true and full understanding, it tends to adversity. Man must understand that his dominion is over himself. Then in unifying his power to rule with love and wisdom, he will reap only good in his own life and will do good only to others. The Hebrew word shafat, it means to set upright, to judge, true judgment, condemnation, punishment, persecution, defense, vindication, rule, government, a son of Hori, of the tribe of Simeon, one of the twelve spies, Numbers 13.5, father of Elisha, the prophet, 1 Kings 19.16, others of the same name, 1 Chronicles 3.22, 5.12, and 27.29. Metaphysically, Shaphat, these men, by the name of Shaphat, to judge, signify the development of the discerning, judging faculty throughout the consciousness, or the judgment idea becoming operative throughout the various faculties of mind that are represented by the tribes of Israel to whom the men by this name belonged. So during this time of Shabbat, of rule and government, one must put extra effort and time into the development of the discerning, judging faculty throughout the consciousness. Throughout the consciousness. Shafat also means vindication. But in order to have vindication, one must have true judgment, beginning with oneself, around oneself, and placement, the micro and the macro, within this paradigm of surveillance, capitalism. We're going to take a music moment. Blessings and grace.
blessings and grace. I'd like to thank you for joining me for another offering of Woman Wednesday. I'd like to take a moment and show love to the frequency that accompanies me, the music, the bucket heads, the bomb. These sounds fall into my mind. Little Louie, Club Lonely, Lonely People, Album Version. Louis Vega, featuring Janine Sugar, Lyrics, Lions, A Place Where We Can All Be Free, Blaze, Gloria Muse, The Yoga Song, Jamrock Rhythm, Sage Monk, Bodhisattva, DJ Romaine, featuring Nadelka, Sunday Morning, Main Mix, F Soul, Greens, Louis Vega, Vince Montana Tribute, LV and Rick Wilhite Rework, Sister Awa, Ja Voice Dub, Kerry Chandler, Something Deeper, DJ Spin, Raw Dub Edit, Dana Weaver, I Will Arise, I Wayne, Trample the Beast, Master Mellow, featuring Tasha Larray, Optimistic Heart, Napoleon the Legend, featuring Narubi Selah, It's Your World, Selah Israel, The Anthem, Rise, Elements of Life, featuring Jasper Street Company, Stand on the Word, DJ Spin and Gary Hudgens, Vocal Dub, Selah Israel, Babylon is Falling, The Whitefield Brothers, featuring Bajka, Earthology, Sarak, Dark Side of the Moon, Claire Angel, Be Strong, Remember that you are water. Cry, cleanse, flow. Remember that you are fire. Burn, tame, ignite. Remember that you are air. Be still. Focus. Decide. Remember that you are earth, ground, build, give, be you till full love, so that you can rise and ascend blessings, grace, love and strength to all.
yes. When you get lonely. I get lonely in different places. Excuse me? Um, excuse me? Charles? My name is on the list. What list? The DJ's list. Miss Thing, there is no guest list tonight. Oh. Oh. Come on.